This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, August 27, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. Why do companies have operations overseas? According to Ike Brannon of Capital Policy Analytics and the George W. Bush Institute, companies want some mix of cheaper labor and proximity to the markets they intend to serve. Tax rates, of course, aren't irrelevant, like in the case of Burger King choosing to move to Canada. Ike Brannon spoke at a Cato Institute Capitol Hill briefing yesterday. Why do we think U.S. companies operate abroad? And I think that's the essential question we need to understand to uh, understand the, the current battle over inversions and also how we tax U.S. corporations' overseas income. And I think there's two different schools of thought, and the, the truth is really somewhere in between. Uh, I think the White House's position is that most companies that have overseas operations do so uh, primarily to exploit cheaper labor overseas. Uh, on the other side, I would say most Republicans in Congress think that, that U.S. corporations who have overseas operations do so in order to service local markets. Like I said, the reality is somewhere in between, but your perspective uh, on this issue uh, colors how you think we should tax overseas corporations. So um, the administration thinks that every single dollar earned by a U.S. company, whether they earn it here in the U.S. or they earn it elsewhere, should be taxed at this one same rate in order to take away any single tax advantage that a company, U.S. company might have to take things overseas. Um, people who, who believe the opposite would argue that we want to keep U.S. corporations uh, as competitive as possible abroad because operating overseas also creates U.S. jobs. And I'll give you a couple of examples. So um, in the late 1990s, PepsiCo uh, became very, very active in Eastern Europe. What they did is they bought a lot of uh, soda, soda um, from the Midwest soda pop plants. They bought a lot of potato chip factories, and they started doing a lot of production overseas. Um, there's no conceivable way that Pepsi could service those overseas markets by producing Pepsi and Lay's potato chips in the U.S. and shipping them 3,000 miles overseas and then selling them over there. That's the, the volume is way too much. The volume is too big for that to ever make any sense. But I would argue that Pepsi creates all kinds of jobs in the U.S. by having these jobs abroad. And the alternative to Pepsi having these operations abroad uh, is some other company with no U.S. roots and no reason to hire U.S. workers to do uh, back office management, IT, marketing, and stuff like that for uh, Pepsi's operations overseas. I think whenever we think about companies that are operating overseas, the first thing that pops in our plants are uh, U.S. manufacturing companies that, that take jobs and do them in, in Asia and South America where the labor is much cheaper. And there's certainly some of that. But then if you look at a company like Caterpillar Tractor Company, uh, which is from my hometown of Peoria, Illinois, um, Caterpillar does a whole range of production activities in Peoria, Illinois. And they also do a lot of production over, overseas as well. And the question is, why do they do, which, what kind of production do they do here? What kind of production do they do overseas? And the answer is kind of simple. Caterpillar does the very low margin, low cost production, uh, low tractors. They do those overseas. They do those closest to the markets where um, that uh, cost of shipment would be relatively large proportion of the total cost and where they can't be that competitive to produce something in Peoria, put it on a boat, ship it down the river, put it on another boat, ship it all the way across the ocean to, uh, to Asia or Europe or Africa or wherever. But what Caterpillar does produce in Peoria, Illinois, are the very costly, high-margin, 
uh, tractors uh, that, uh, that get shipped all over the world. And the advantage to being, having operations in, uh, production operations in China and Brazil and across the country is that, across the globe, is that it makes Caterpillar's uh, gigantic markets and makes them more competitive there. And so one of the things I think we need to be cautious of is that if we were to say, all right, screw this, let's uh, simply go back to a worldwide tax jurisdiction, get rid of all deferral, and simply make U.S. corporations pay the same rate on every dollar they earn no matter what, Caterpillar is going to do, and, and PepsiCo is going to do less things overseas. They're going to sell some of those operations. And those are going to come back, and they're going to hurt jobs, and they're going to hurt production here in the U.S. as well. Um, in 2007, I was part of a team of economists who did a report for the U.S. Treasury on corporate tax reform. And one of my tasks was to go and talk to a bunch of CEOs and uh, senior tax officers for manufacturing companies and ask them about why they locate certain operations overseas. And, and more than one said to me, we are located, our, our headquarters are in the United States solely because of an historic accident. Under no circumstance, if we were starting up a gigantic company now, would we locate a headquarters here because of the tax advantage. Uh, another Fortune 500 company uh, tax chief tax officer told me that they estimate that when they are operating in the EU, their average tax disadvantage is about five percentage points on their profits. That's significant. That makes it more difficult for U.S. companies to compete. I think one other thing we need to ask ourselves when we're looking at um, our corporate tax rate, which is, as David pointed out, um, has a lot of flaws in it, is, is who actually pays the corporate income tax? I think a facile way to look at it is to simply say, well, it's paid by big, bad, evil corporations. But all of us know a lot better than that. It has to be paid by one of three different groups. It has to be paid by either the shareholders in the form of a lower return of capital, or the workers who get a lower wage rate because there's less capital that they use and they're less productive, or it's paid by the consumers because they have to pay higher prices because of the tax. And I think in the last decade, the, the preponderance of evidence, has, both on the left and the right, has suggested that it's primarily borne by the workers in the form of lower wages. Right? The Congressional Budget Office put out a study in 2006 suggested that it's between uh, two-thirds and three-fourths is borne by workers. Um, the liberal tax policy center, Urban's Brookings, suggests that it's somewhere like that as well. So I think we really need to be aware of these things uh, when we're condemning companies for, for doing these tax maneuvers. Uh, and then, you know, one other thing a company uh, pointed out to me, um, when we talk about why companies do locate operations where they do. A lot of the uh, drunk companies uh, op put their operations not in, in low-cost places, but a lot of them put things in Switzerland. Why is that? Well, it's certainly not because there's really cheap labor in Switzerland. It's because, uh, primarily because of tax reasons. So what's the answer? You know, Dan, I think Dan was going to wrap it up by uh, giving a couple of thoughts on what uh, he thinks we ought to do, but I'm, I'm going to jump the gun a bit. Uh, you know, there's a, a proposal out there that, that Greg Mankey wrote about in the Sunday New York Times and uh, has been getting a lot of traction uh, by Michael Grates, who's a, a, a tax uh, professor, a tax law professor uh, now in, uh, in New York. And his argument is we simply need to go to something akin to a, uh, a value-added tax or sales tax and generate the bulk of our revenue that way and use that revenue to uh, dramatically lower not just the corporate tax rate, which you would drop to something like 13 or 14 percent, but also uh, personal, the top personal rates as well. Um, at least that's a more honest tax code. 
because it would be taxing people. Uh, we, it would be more visible. Um, we all know that taxing capital investment isn't a good thing. We'd rather not tax effort, but taxing consumption is a much more efficient way to do it. And uh, we would probably get a lot more growth. And in one fell swoop, we would turn a very uncompetitive tax code into something that would be the envy of the rest of the world. Ike Brannon is president of Capital Policy Analytics and is a senior fellow at the George W. Bush Institute. You can read more on global tax policy at our website, cato.org.